your mariners, the ship's soul survivors, in this belly of a whale. His lips are feeling pain, his guts are carpeting, I guess we have some time to kill. You may not remember me, I was a child of three, and you were light at eighteen. But I remember you, and I will relate to you, how our histories and ween. Alright guys, I got a tripod here, which is pretty funny since this, uh, I finally have a tripod, so I'm not looking down at you guys like a weird, uh, weird pervert. Uh, but it's sort of ironic that I have this now for this episode because this is going to be the last, not vlog, but of, of the, the last uh, theory blog. Uh, I will still do at least two streams a week, I think. I'm going to do a Wednesday. I think I'm thinking I'm going to do Black Reconstruction thinking about Black Reconstruction, although I'm not sure yet, starting in like maybe next Wednesday or the Wednesday after that. Uh, but then Friday I will do like a fun vibe stream where I like take questions and talk to people. But if I'm going to keep doing this thing I've been doing with the vote ball stuff and trying to like make sense of politics and spirituality and how they mix and all that, I have to start writing it down. Period. End of sentence. This was very useful for me as a tech, as a mechanism for thinking things through, but it has gotten to the point where it is no longer constructive for me. Uh, I am doing this to escape the hard and scary stuff, which is putting things down, uh, uh, and potentially, you know, looking like an idiot. Uh, because this format really has been like the whole podcast format to begin with. Like, the reason I didn't become an academic or a writer, even though I had the opportunity to do both, boiled down to the fact that I didn't want to do work. And, you know, why would anyone want to do work? It sucks. But in my specific case, I didn't want to do work for personal reasons having to do with a kind of a neurotic hypochondria, basically, that has made me convinced ever since I was a teenager that I'm going to die, like, very soon. And... What that has always done is it has always given me an excuse to not do anything that isn't fun. Because I'm going to die soon. Why would I want to put in the effort to get a degree? Why would I want to put in the effort to sit down and struggle with words when I could just post? And then once I posted well enough, get a podcast and then talk on the podcast. And that was satisfying for a while, but I got to a point where, especially after the Bernie campaign failed and my fantasy that I could, that I was doing something worthwhile with the podcast beyond entertainment. Like I still think the show is good and entertaining and I hope people still listen to it because it's fun and it's, it's entertaining and it's a good product. It's a good entertainment product, but it is, did not fill the, the void I had for political engagement and, and uh, meaning, which was really just a, um, but that was really just a, a veiled uh, search for personal meaning, which I didn't have and didn't feel in my life. And for a while, the Bernie campaign sort of squared the circle and said, oh, you can do the fun, no difficulty thing 
and also make the world a better place. Justify yourself, justify your existence. And so I was like, hell yeah. But then that broke down and it came, it's an entertainment product again. But I had these greater ambitions, these, these pretensions more than anything of in intellect or whatever. And that required me to figure out like, well, what am I gonna actually say? But as I said, writing is working and I don't like working. So I found, I found this stream process as a way to do it. And I feel like I was getting to places and I was getting to nuggets and I was getting somewhere but at every point I would find, where, every point where it felt like, ah, I can start writing now, I would convince myself that I needed to keep doing this instead for what I thought was, uh, like I didn't have enough reason, I didn't have enough uh, information, I didn't have the insights yet, but boiled down to, I still think I'm going to die any second. And therefore, I have to get it all out now. Now, of course, I'm not dying. Haven't been. But thinking that kept me on the easy track. But I can't do the easy track anymore because my entire life has been seeking the easy track. And I'm running out of runway. I mean, I'm not dying, but I am getting older. And my ability to hold on to this adolescent worldview is becoming uh, un untenable. And the only way that I can make that work, the only way that I can make my job work in a meaningful sense is if I add craft to it. And that means writing. As scary as that is, midlife crisis, correct. Correct. My, my, the, the T starts going down, the red lights start going on, and if you've lived a life uh, fully, those kind of things should be okay. The reason people have midlife crises is because the, the, the life of the post-millennial is in 2000, the post-20th century, a, a middle-class and upper adult is one of sustained, prolonged, non-ending adolescence. And not necessarily like being immature in some intellectual sense. I mean, not having a real imagined interiority for anyone other than yourself. And the thing about living that way, it's the way that you are taught to live. It's the structure of all of our social organs to tell you that it is the undergirding logic of capitalism that society is the sum total of people's self-interested acts because those are the only kind of acts that truly exist and can be priced and therefore meaningful. And that can only work as long as you are able to uh, keep separate two facts that as a educated Western person, you know to be true. One, that you're going to die someday, your physical body, your meat will expire because it is finite like everything, and that your consciousness is the only consciousness that you recognize as real in the universe, i.e. God. You are God and you're going to die. That is the mindset of the Western capitalist subject. That is 
unsustainable. Just like the society that is made to produce these people and is made up of these people and whose institutions uh, reinforce that mindset is doomed to a final irrevocable crisis when those two realities come together. And that's why people freak out around midlife, because they are running out of the ability to lie to themselves that they're not going to die. And I personally have clung to politics and the idea of being a political theorist out of a desire to reason myself out of that dichotomy. Like, yes, I'm going to die. Of course, I'm going to die. But maybe I can help make the world, remake the world along the way. Because obviously, like many in my generation, I do not have children. I, was, I, I have not reproduced. I mean, part of that is because that narcissistic track makes people value their own pleasure over the sacrifice that's required to raise another person. But also, even if they wanted to, it's harder and harder to do it because it's more and more fucking expensive. And so, I find myself without uh, a legacy. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that a legacy is not necessary if you have community, if you have love that transcends your individual you, individuality. That is the religious, spiritual connection to other people. And if you have that, then as you get older, as the pleasure that you seek becomes less uh, accessible, it is replaced by other deeper pleasures. But those aren't to be found. So, make a mark on the world by writing some masterpiece that somehow synthesizes all world history and, uh, and philosophy and brings about, uh, if not in your lifetime, in the future, uh, the, the New Jerusalem. And that premise is as much a denial of death uh, as the one, the personal one, because this social order is already dead. We look, just like we're all already dead in the sense that the, the end point is certain. Like, here it is. This is a point where every individual and every social order ends. And then there is you, the individual. You know it's here somewhere, and you know you're getting towards it, but you don't know where it is. And psychosis, schizophrenia that powers our society is, gen is generated by the splitting of the human into a body that feels and senses and a mind that imagines itself separate from that process. Now, if the mind is separate from that process, it cannot conceive its own end. It is infinite, and the mind has infinite capacity. But if it's not at every point being regrounded to the body, it pulls you away from not only your body, but the reality of the interiority and personhood and godhood of other people, because we're all God, obviously. God is every consciousness in one giant fucking diamond, and every one of us is a tiny facet, and we are defined by the light that hits us.
And I think what I've been getting at with all this stuff about like politics as uh, spectacle, as as customer service, as uh, it's obviously a lot of people say you're really just talking about yourself. I am talking about myself, but people like me are the consumers and generators of political culture. People very much like me in class position, in education, I mean, mostly in race. And so when I'm talking about myself, and I have been talking about myself to myself for this entire time, uh, it has been in an effort to make sense of why I personally am addicted to the spectacle of politics, even though I know it is not generative of change, even though I know it doesn't contribute to making the world better for anybody, that in fact, it only contributes to making my life worse for me. And I've been trying to make sense of that. And if it's useful, I think it's useful because the people listening to it who are listening to me because I, they have a cultural affinity, they have a similar frame of reference to me in a language that I have, and can understand my metaphors, they see something there because they see it there too. Because the neuroses and, uh, uh, and hysteria that is the defining characteristic of politics at the moment. From QAnon to, you know, uh, Blue Anon and, and in between, and also all the hysteria uh, and witch finding in the left and all the weird fucking occult bullshit on the east or on the, on the right is a product of the fact that we individually all know we're dying but cannot reconcile that with our consciousness and are living in a society that is dead and is just sort of moving through the remainder of its momentum, and that we can't do anything about either of those things, even though our point of view that is nurtured by everything around us insists upon our infinite consciousness. Because the, the reality of, 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 of existence, and I've said this before on stream, is that everything has already happened. We do not think our way personally, individually, to anything. Our, our emotions and the thoughts that connect to those emotions afterwards are all generated by our encounters with the world. We do not generate that. Like you start... Uh, like, you start crying before you're sad. Like, we know that neurochemically. You start crying before you feel sad. The sadness comes afterwards to make sense of the tears. And what that means on a social level is that there is this distance between our understanding of the world and the world as it actually exists, the physicality of it. And in that delay is where we live. And we're really just hanging out there. We're not in charge. We are bystanders. Like, we can't make our bodies not die. 
And that means that we're, and if you are an educated person who knows, as all Westerners do, that God isn't real, and as I have said, Christians don't really believe in God either, they are making the same uh, um, hedonic calculus that the rest of us do of, I'm enjoying personal pleasures, finite pleasures that are at the expense of others, but it also, but all of those pleasures, the piling of them up increases my anxiety because I know I can't take them with me and they will end someday. That is an irresolvable conflict unless you create a fantasy, create a story that connects those two things. And Christianity is a story. Uh, Islam is a story. They're all stories. And I would argue that evangelical Protestantism is essentially the defining uh, religious uh, expression of that contradiction. And that Wahhabist Islam is as much part of that, and mainline Christianity that is now turned into liberalism, which is its own secular creed, is another version of the same thing. And that is coping, as people like to say on the internet. Cope. We're coping. So if you don't know, if God's not, if there is no supernatural, there is no eternal, there is no ineffable, because we can't feel it. Remember, we only know things if we can feel them. If we have felt them. We learn through experience. We connect bits of like symbolic rationality to physical encounter. And so since we do not physically encounter anything ineffable, anything religious really, anything truly spiritual, anything that isn't marketized, we reason rational, reason to the reasonable position that all there is is individual pleasure and hedonic indulgence. But that over time becomes unsustainable because the clock is always ticking. And the clock, culturally, socially, planet-wise, is now ticking louder than it ever has. And that, is, that causes midlife crises. It also causes political breakdowns. Because in the West, in the, in, we're talking about America here, specifically, politics is not a battle between exploiters and exploited. It is it, it is an expression of a reality of class oppression that thanks to spectacleization and media and atomization and all the things we've talked about, manifests as a neurotic, essentially extended public nervous breakdown of the middle order. What I mean by the middle order are people who, whatever their relationship to capital is, uh, the reality of the life is that they spend more time unalienated than they spend laboring. I mean, obviously, they spend all their time alienated, but I mean, they are not laboring at a pre, uh, they are not working, if you know what I mean. Even if they have a clickety clack job, they're not really working that much. They have a lot of free time. If what defined America in its dawn was free real estate, now that the free real estate is gone, our breakdown is happening because of a different free thing, free time, but not 
unalienated free time in a post-capitalist, you know, post-scarcity world, hyper-alienated free time in a hyper-commodified, hyper-individualized, spiritually dead world. And, the, and that means that, the, that that Karen talk to the manager politics is the politics of people individually and then collectively as they talk to each other and express their politics and, and, and go online to talk about it and, 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 and perform them at voting booths and, and in, in public demonstrations is a, is a nervous breakdown. Because everyone knows at some level, whether they believe it consciously or not, that this society is going to die, just like they are. And what I mean by that is not like going to die apocalypse. I mean that there can be no better moment than the present. And that is what drives the neuroses of the last man that we all are, which is uh, which is that our bodies are going to die and yet we cannot imagine that. And our society is going to die just as we cannot imagine that. Because it is all, it is as totalizing around us as our minds are in interacting with it and interpreting it and embodying it. And so, if you want to understand what politics are, it is, it's, it's that. Now, the reason there's so much category confusion and so much argumentation and splitting the hair about what counts as a middle class or whatever is because these neuroses overlap on a true, actual, material uh, geography of exploitation. Exploitation of resources and humans across the globe. And that means that stuck in that middle strata, it's just like being stuck in your body. There is this, this, there is this gap between the the unresolved, unquestionable uh, reality of death and of the end of society, and our uh, hopeless and and powerless position, waiting for it. That is the reality of the middle class existence, where you have the relative ease to have leisure, but none of the material security to ensure, uh, secure, to, to secure, uh, to feel secure in it, what I mean. And what that does is it just, it, it's, it's a recipe for, uh, individual and then individuals interacting with individual group uh, psychosis. Things like QAnon. Because if you're trapped like that and your body is dead, your society is dead, all we have are our minds, our illusionary separate ego consciousness, and then uh, the collection of those that we can cobble together 
into a political coalition. And so we think that we can think our way out of it. We think that we can, I, and again, when I say we, I mean me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. We imagine, we hope, we, we, um, we soothe ourselves with the idea that we can think our way out of it. Because just as we cannot bodily conceive of living forever, we cannot conceive of uh, meaningful political mobilization because we do not have class consciousness. And so we drive ourselves mad, and I drive myself mad, trying to think our way to out of this. Think of our way to a point where we choose our end, where we choose how to end the system and what to replace it with, where we choose the moment of our own extinguishment and our own uh, resurrection. And it is the uh, that fantasy and the fact that everything that we see and encounter reinforces that fantasy uh, that propel our politics in a into a neutered uh, and neurotic corner. Now, the point of this is not to say we're all it's all fucked. Don't care about politics. And even to log off, I realize now that the log off thing was literally me looking me in the eye and telling me what I had to do. I don't know what you have to do with the computer. You probably have a bad relationship with the computer because most people have a bad relationship with the computer. But how that manifests, I don't know. Uh, I definitely do know, though, that my relationship is bad and I know why it's bad. And so I know that what I have to do is cut off my justifications for maintaining my uh, unproductive relationship with it. But the thing is, I'm still a podcaster slash public, you know, uh, talking head type person. I, I, uh, I don't have any other skills. I like doing this and I would like to get deeper into questions, uh, not really political questions because politics, the, the, the grass towards politics was my grasp towards a illusory immortality to history, which is where I feel most comfortable and where I feel most intellectually stimulated because I feel like I understand it. Like I've said about the, the thing that Hegel said, the, the owl of Minerva flies at dusk. The, the fact that everything is protean and floating at all times in the present means that I do not feel at my most useful, comfortable, insightful when I'm trying to talk about the current moment. I feel like if you can periodize a, a, a era that has already happened, you can find something there that's meaningful, and because this is all one story, you can find the patterns and meanings there that can be applied by other people to the world as they encounter it. Like, I think a good example of this, of the, of the way that politics is neurotic, is on the question of, the broad question of social liberalism, which is supposed to be the wedge, right, that prevents working class solidarity, one way or the other. Like, on one side of the divide, you think that social liberalism uh, is, uh, makes class conscious, class solidarity impossible because of the inveterate white racism of the, American working class and middle class, and that that, that is 
deeper than class relationships and cannot be overcome. Or you think that the uh, cynical uh, appropriation by middle class liberals and like neoliberal institutions of uh, 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 like identity grievance is what stops, is what prevents class solidarity. Either way, that's the liver, that is the wedge. And both sides of the left think, uh, recognize that as the wedge. But the reason that it's the wedge, I think, is because we're only absorbing it through the spectacle of politics. And we're only expressing it through the only less spectacleized performance of uh, activism and uh, electoralism, which that's basically all we have. And I think the reason for that, fundamentally, is that while social liberalism was the product of the mobilization of the most oppressed, like, racial uh, and eventually gender categories of a society, asserting their rights, refusing to participate in society without their rights, and that's where it started, and then it was ratified at the top by institutions that were dedicated to maintaining capitalism and therefore reducing friction points and keeping as many people in the community of consumers as possible. So it was, it was generated from below and then ratified from the top, which is one of those, th which is one of the things that causes the confusion about like, oh, is, is Black Lives Matter, is that an expression of like black uh, oppression or is it a cynical uh, neoliberal ploy? It's both coming from both ends, coming from both sides. But in the middle, it is experienced as a marker of um, virtue for a segment of that middle class population, the ones who most likely went to college and absorbed social liberalism there. Because once it was ratified at the top, it had to filter down through the superstructures through things like institutions. And you had you went from going to college and learning about how like the, the rising tide of color was going to swamp white supremacy from Professor Lothrop Stoddard to learning uh, 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 abolish whiteness by uh, that Kendi dude, uh, Ibrahim Kendi. The thing that happens there is that is that in the middle, the, the governing institutions ratify a shift that is the product of genuine... Uh, uh, genuine oppressed uh, political mobilization. And then it's generated in the superstructure and people encounter it and the people absorb it because of where they grew up, what they experienced growing up, what, uh, what career the path they took, the values that they hold otherwise. Uh, they are accepting it for what they think are reasons of personal virtue. They think, I believe, like the people who have the signs that say, we, at this house, Black Lives Matter, you know, all love is love. They, those people think that they're doing that because, oh, and I should say that it is more common among relatively secure coastal members of this strata. And of course, I am excluding people who are members of these groups who are obviously motivated by self-interest, but a self-interest that is totally understandable and is separate from this neurotic thing that we're talking about. I'm talking mostly about white people. 
And while people think that they have gotten to uh, enlightenment, social enlightenment, through their own virtue, what they are really doing is they are validating their class position and absolving themselves of the guilt involved in being in that middle strata where you are alienated, where you don't really have control over anything to the degree that you can feel empowered, but you also are the beneficiary of a shit ton of direct exploitation. You are the beneficiary of things like the the uh, the um, the GI the racially uh, applied uh, FHA program and the GI Bill and uh, and gentrification and all of those things, as well as of course the the labor of our colonial subjects on the periphery. We're all in a position where the only things we can find around ourselves to distract ourselves are indulgences that by definition are tied to the suffering of others. And in that situation, social liberalism is a way to consecrate that relationship. I'm not bad for doing this because I am not filled with these reactionary social views. And what, that, and what that means is that when we have discussions on questions of social liberalism and how to integrate them into class politics, they are dominated by neurotic white liberals who are unconsciously, for the most part, trying to defend a, a thing that is central to their very fragile psychic ecosystem that allows them to continue consuming. Because when you're trapped in the waiting room of hell, which we are, our bodies are going to fail, our society is going to fail, we cannot imagine a better future for any of our descendants, if we have them, or ourselves, no day will be better than the day we have now, realistically, they will only get worse, but they're not, but the end hasn't come yet, unless you fully accept at a spiritual level by embodying your, by living in a body, by feeling, then you will try to get out with your mind. And you will build sandcastles and Sudoku puzzles and riddles that you will solve to avoid being in your body, to avoid confronting the reality of the life you live. And then those stories, those, those puzzles become life. And that is what internet politics is. It is everybody asserting their own uh, fantasies of uh, absolution and uh, liberation that are premised on a delusion of a unlimited consciousness. Now, of course, once again, I'm referring to myself, but once again... If that sounds familiar, that's why. And so what, what happened with me is that I realized that when I'm doing politics by doing this, by, when I'm lying to myself that this is enough, that I'm helping, uh, it's not premised on 
a desire to help or love, like I've talked about. It's selfishness. It is reaffirming to myself that I can still do this, that I can still solve the riddle of history and consciousness and uh, life. I cannot do that. But what I can do is the thing that I have avoided because I thought I was going to die, and that is fucking right. And now I know, in a way that I never really did before, that I am not on the precipice of death, that that thing that I thought has really been my, like, I thought my whole adult life that my hypochondria was this curse, but it was a mental function. It was a function of my mind to avoid work, to avoid alienated labor, to avoid uh, difficulty. Because the frictionless plane of pleasure is all you can hope for if you're going to die and there's no eternity and there's no judgment and there's no connection. If that's true and nothing we encounter will tell us that that's not true, at least nothing I encountered in my life told me any otherwise, then acquiring pleasures is it. It's like Mario with the fucking rings. you got to grab them, or no, uh, Sonic has the rings, Mario has the coins. Either way, you're piling them up. But you can't pile them up. They go away, and they are evanescent, and every desi no desire can be fulfilled, and all that stuff. And so the hypochondria was a way to justify something that otherwise I wouldn't be able to justify to myself because, well, if you're going to die very soon and you don't have time to create human connections and do meaningful work and to live a fully embedded, like embodied life, then you might as well grab what you can, like the goddamned muncher. become the muncher. That's, I'm not kidding about the muncher being the avatar of this, of me, I mean, of me. If you think you're the muncher, tell me, but I feel like I'm the fucking muncher. And it is, and it's, it, it's a ghost. It's, it's, it's without, a, it's, it is a, it is a mental projection devoid of a body. And what I was really doing was like trying to pick my own end. And I can't do that. No one can do that. And the only way out is through. And I thought I understood that. But what I've realized is that I was really just trading one delusion for another. And that the only real way to build the spirituality that can stand in for a lifetime of, of, of uh, deracinated hedonism is by struggle. By struggle. And there's no struggle to this. This is just so fucking easy for me. Just sitting here and just talking. And the thing that keeps me going is the delusion that, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keel over any minute. No, I'm not. I have time. Unless I get hit by a bus, but then if that happens, then all the rest of this is irrelevant. I have time to actually sit with my body and sit in my body and fucking try to make something that means something. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know if it'll be fiction or novel. I'll probably try to synthesize something from what I've talked about on here into like a short volume. That'll probably be the first thing I do. But I'm going to have to actually do this. And I'm happy and I'm excited. I'm a little scared. But the only thing I know that right now I have to do is I have to get rid of this specific outlet. Because what it, the reason that this has been bad for me at this point now, I think, is that I, as a result of the fact that I flee my body all the time and that I am able to generate 
theories and ideas and stories and narratives to justify almost anything that my lizard brain wants, uh, I end up thinking all the goddamn time. And that's not good for you. That is not good for you. Period. And it's not good for me. That's the one thing I know 100%. But I think writing could be good for me. Writing could be part of that whole, uh, you know, soul craft thing that people talk about. Uh, because that gives you a reason to sit and think through things. Because the vlog concept was I got to, instead of sitting and thinking through things, I got to just have kind of flight of fancy thoughts all day, sit down, put them together for a while, and then walk away from them, but then have to keep doing that and doing that and doing that. Instead of, do, instead of blocking off specific time to apply those ideas, which I think will be much healthier for me because it will allow me to live within my body and to cultivate relationships with other people and infuse them with meaning through experience. And so, I don't know what that's going to mean in general, but I just know that for that to happen, I need to wean myself off of the easy intellectual fix of coming on here and just fucking rattling shit off. Uh, but as I said, I will still do these because I, I need to, like I said, I'm doing a lot of reading for the Lincoln Project and I want to talk through some of it, but as a dialogue, not as a monologue anymore. And then I said I'd also like to do question and answer uh, streams as a dialogue. And then the monologuing can be contained to, uh, to a application of craft, not just talking, which is too easy. That's why I sought it as a fucking career. I mean, I didn't know I was seeking it, but I got there and I was able to succeed because I'm good at it. But it's too easy for me. Not in the sense it's like, oh, I'm so brilliant. I'm so genius. I mean, it doesn't take anything. Uh, it doesn't challenge me. It doesn't make me have to live in my body. Like when I'm doing this, I am a being of pure thought. I might as well not be a body. And that is this. It's a high that I then chase the rest of the, the week. And I have to avoid that. I have to think and sit at the same time. So I hope people have gotten a lot, something out of these like theory bombs. And most of all, I hope very much to be able to turn them into something more coherent, more supported, more thought through uh, in written form. Because understanding finitude is understanding limitations. I cannot be everything. I cannot become the all like the all expressing mind that changes the world. None of us can. And one of the real insidious things about online politics is that it gives us the idea that we can be everything because it is this frictionless plane where we get to theorize all day and call it politics. Once again, talking about myself. And that theorization is 
wasted. It's wasted time for the most part. Because politics, I keep getting keep saying this, will come from experience, not from thought. It is thought is then thought comes afterwards. Thought comes as a way of making sense of experience, not as a way to direct experience. And that's why I don't think that saying that we have to accept that this order is dead and that this society is dead is black pill nihilism. Because of course it is. Anything that comes after, whether it's unimaginably worse or better, will be unimaginable because of the totalization of capitalist realism. If there is a hope of the future, it will come from us. And I think we have the ability to do it. We not only have the resources, we not only have the technological advancement and the capital accumulation, we have the brains to pull this fucking off. If enough of us step off the hedonic treadmill and move towards a spiritualized, embodied life, And I think that, that that's more hope, I think, than you get if you theorize and, and, and doom scroll all the time. No matter what politics you think you have, no matter much of a hardcore ML or whatever the fuck, no matter how, whatever kind of pill you've swallowed, the world as it is presented to us in its pseudo form, this 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 like synthesized matrix of overlapping neuroses and breakdown, mental breakdowns, uh, is hopeless. And of course it's hopeless. Because it's it's just an expression of, of uh, terror. It's an expression of, uh, of our inability to conquer our contradictions. And that's because it's pure thought. Because it's pure reason. Because it's rationality. And Rationality is, by itself, totally sterile. And so, I realized that I was not going to be able to, to, to make any progress for myself if I unless I stopped trying to turn this into something that it can't be. Like, what I want to do, what I want to do is create something, and that requires work. And so I'm going to, as I said, pair, pair these back to what, twice a week. Uh, and also, I'm going to, and look, you can hold me to this. If you see me posting on Twitter, tell me to log off. Because I am making a concerted effort to just not be on there. And I got criticized a little bit for the last vote ball for saying that I was not understanding that, like, all of these things that I'm describing have contradictions within themselves that get worked out and that new things emerge. Yeah, that's true. The reason I didn't really notice that is that I wasn't really talking in universal terms. I was talking in specific terms. And I know that I have this specific unhealthy relationship with online politics. That does not mean that online or any of the events that people discuss online are not meaningful and could not provide uh the context for the emergence of new new uh plate tectonic 
political arrangements that could generate new areas of struggle. Of course that's true. But you will not find that by looking at it. The internet, because of its, its ability to connect people, is useful to the extent that people use it productively. So, Twitter, useful. Reddit, useful. The whole thing, useful if it's being used. If you're using it, if it's, you're not letting it use you. So look for that in the future. Hope to get something together and hope and I will update progress wise as I'm working on it on here. But uh, if I have another like if I get another vote ball idea, you will not see it here. You will see it elsewhere. Heroin is someone says heroin's useful too. Heroin is useful. Opiates are useful. Like when Marx called the uh, uh, called religion the opiate of the masses. He wasn't using it the way that fucking, like, dipshit uh, uh, edgelord atheists use it. He was using it in its 19th century term, which was as an anesthetic. It used in surgery as a necessary medical application. The heart of a heartless world, he called it. Not opium, but religion. But that was the reason that he compared the two. They have uses. We are not using... We are being used by them, though, because we are using them as... Uh, as ways to self-soothe, and as ways to slowly kill ourselves. Because if we can't have a better day than the day we have now, then it is up to us to pick our end. To pick when we go out. That is the fantasy of the apocalypse, too, that we all fixate on. That, like, well, if everything is going to be worse than today, and uh, all of life is the accumulation of pleasure, and pleasures will go down over time precipitously, Fuck, we might as well find a way, consciously or unconsciously, to pick a moment to, to say peace. But doing that is at the expense of every other person. And pursuing that line cuts you off every moment that you're doing it from every other person. And leaves you a terrified, guilt-wracked sliver of consciousness that cannot reconcile itself to its... Uh, biological reality. I mean, I joked a while ago that, like, Jeffrey Epstein is the DMT surge at the end of America. Hasn't the last fucking four years felt like that? Fucking guy with the bullhorns walking around the Capitol building? This feels like your brain sort of writing you off stage. And that's what we're all doing. But, as I said, the ones who are doing it the most and absorbing this the most and eating the lotuses the most are more than not relatively comfortable. And the ones that are being precarious and being made precarious, which is a lot of them, are encountering class, the experience of exploitation and a, and a, and a hostile and antagonistic relationship to capital in a way that they never have before. And the question becomes, how do they manage that crisis? 
How do we all manage that crisis? And I don't know. And I think that the black pill is a get-out-of-work-free card. It is a way to say, nothing can get better. I cannot imagine anything better for me or for uh, anyone else in the future. And so, therefore, I can indulge myself entirely. And I can just eat, kick, keep, eat Skittles for dinner until I die. And yeah, you could. I mean, it's going to be harder and harder, you know, as... Uh, our access to those uh, soothing pleasures becomes more, less and less. But you can stuff yourself well, well, you can. And it will leave you alone. It will leave you uh, isolated and terrified. And there is no way that you won in that encounter. Even if you thought, even if you were right, even if you looked around you and you were the genius who figured out that everything was hopeless, it doesn't make your life any easier. Just like being the genius at age 16 who realizes, oh my God, I'm going to die and God isn't real. Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? You still have to fucking live. And I mean, my God, like, people are horrified of, like, a new waves and waves of viral infections and new COVIDs. That's terrifying. But I don't know how you could say that that could make you blackpilled. I mean, my God, like the fucking consumer engine of the American economy is about to collapse. You're telling me that that does not give you fucking some sort of hope? Not necessarily that something better is going to happen, but that something different is going to happen. And you assuming that it will have to be worse. I'm sorry. No one can know that. You can only convince yourself that you know that to give yourself permission to keep doing what you think you want to do. Once again, talking about myself. So with that, I say, uh, not so long because like I'll I'll be back not next when not this Wednesday, but I think next Wednesday, I'll 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 uh, oh man on Twitter, sorry I will announce uh, what book what, if, if I'm gonna do Black Reconstruction or something like tomorrow I think, and how on how I'm gonna on how long I'm gonna do it but uh, but that'll be my only tweet and um. But on Friday, we'll, uh, we'll do a hangout stream, and we'll just talk, talk. You guys can ask questions and chill. But yeah, the, uh, the, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking reinvent the wheel here. I got, I got to sit down. And I'm not going to reinvent, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel by writing either. Whatever I'm writing is going to be just a shard, a sliver of, of insight, hopefully, and craft, fingers crossed, and, and quality, maybe. Uh, but it will... Be of good. It'll be of great use to me to do it, and hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll be of use to some of the people who read it. Yeah, we can do a state coins. Well, we're not. They already did the state coins. We can do something else though. Those are fun.
All right. I don't know how long it's been, but that's about, that's, it's not, that's, I got through everything I wanted to say. I hope it made sense. I hope people don't think, uh, well, it doesn't really matter what people think. I just got to do, got to do what you got to do. All right, folks. Peace.